At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you back with us once again as we continue our player profile series going through each and every player from last season's roster. Today, we land on the human highlight reel of the Hive Miles Bridges. Joining me today to help break him down, we've got my producer from the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo. And Rob, Miles Bridges, bar none, probably the most exciting player on the floor. All due respect to what LaMelo Ball does on a night-in, night-out basis and the unexpected nature of some of his highlights. Miles Bridges may be more traditional highlights in just the pure, raw athleticism of his dunks, but he was spectacular out there at times on the season. What is your overall assessment of his season with the Hornets? Well, we all know how important Gordon Hayward was for Charlotte this season, making a big free agent impact. We all know about, obviously, LaMelo Ball winning Rookie of the Year, but you can make an argument that Miles Bridges could be the team's MVP this season, in a sense, because outside of those six games that he missed towards the end of the year with health and safety protocols, he played in every game that he was available in. In a normal season, the argument can be made once again, he would have played in every single game. The only person to play more games than him was Terry Rozier. Terry played three more games than him. He did miss three games because he was nursing that knee injury from time to time, just kind of load management as a little bit of an older player considering Miles is, you know, only 22, 23 years old, having a birth date in the middle of the season. But at the end of the season, when Gordon was hurt and Terry had some shooting woes a little bit, Miles was the one to kind of really carry the team. He provided the scoring. He provided, of course, the rebounding, and he provided a lot of energy as well. So when he took over as that starting role in April for 
fourth in that Boston game after Gordon got hurt in Indiana. There was only one instance where he played fewer than 30 minutes in a game. 13 of the last 18 regular season games, he logged over 35 minutes on the floor. I mean, that's impressive stuff from a 23-year-old that was in a reserve role playing multiple positions most of the season, especially considering, you know, he played mostly small forward at the three last year, played mostly at the four this season. So just really impressive stuff from Miles Bridges. On a couple of those points, one, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Sometimes the most important ability you can have is availability. And Miles Bridges was always that. He was the healthiest Hornet by far in his third overall season. And I'll give you that, you know, his role did fluctuate and we saw a significant jump in his scoring when he got the minutes that were needed to show it. This is the first year since his rookie season that he was not a consistent starter. Part of that was Gordon Hayward coming in, and so you know his position was given over to the former All-Star in terms of the starting lineup, but he still played significant minutes. He basically averaged the same number of minutes per game this season as he did the previous one where he was a full-time starter. His points per game came down ever so slightly, 13 points per game last season, his second overall season, and 12. 12.7 points per game, this more recent one. But when you look at the splits, when you look at games he started versus games where he came off the bench, in starts, he averaged more minutes, about 36 minutes per game. As a reserve, it was about 26 minutes per game. As a starter, he averaged 18 points per game. Huge jump from where he was the season before. And off the bench, he was closer to 10 points per game. So a pretty wide gulf. That said... When you look at his shooting percentages, they were basically identical from the field. Almost 51% as a starter, 50% as a reserve, basically the same. His three-point percentage, 41, almost 42% as a starter, 38, almost 39% as a reserve. Both very good, slight increase as a starter. Here is the stat that stands out the most to me from all of that, and that is how does the team do when he's on the floor? When he was a starter, his plus-minus on average, was a minus five. When he was coming off the bench, his plus minus average was plus two and a half. All this said, there's a lot of statistics that a lot of people focused in on to say, this is why Miles Bridges needs to be a starter. And what I take away from this is his impact on the game seemed to be better off the bench, even though he did show what he can contribute as a starter. It really makes him kind of the Swiss Army knife of this team. I think James Borrego, looking into the future, can look at Miles and say, we can plug him in as a starting four, starting three, if we need him to be that. But he brings so much energy, so much scoring, so much pop off the bench. Why not take advantage of that? I don't know if that's a fair assessment just based on Miles, because when you're in that second unit, you're probably going against second unit guys. So I'm not saying that there's that big of a talent disparity in the association, but I'm sure every little bit certainly helps. And I think also at that point, too, when you look at it, Miles was only thrusted into that starting role because everybody else was hurt. So he wasn't playing with a full deck. And I think that has a little bit to do with it as well. So I don't take a whole stock into that plus minus, but it is something to look at. It will be interesting to see. I think the the bottom line with Miles, and this is something you can say about a lot of guys all across the roster, the unselfish nature of this team. There weren't divas on the Hornets from this most recent season. Of course, everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to get their minutes, but everyone wanted to win. And again, Miles Bridges showed us a lot in terms of production. And we've heard it on on talk radio, quite frankly, ever since the season ended, focusing in on, well, look how productive Miles was. And I would agree with that. And I'm not saying the wins and losses that the record based off role and minutes are going to be That's how it was last season, so that's how it will be from here on out. But it is important to note that 
that's what they were last season. The team won a lot more games when Gordon Hayward was available than when he wasn't. Miles Bridges' numbers, yes, scoring went through the roof, but his shooting percentages were almost the same. So it was about opportunity and the fact that there wasn't a drop-off. I'm not saying bench the guy or only play him 10 minutes a game, but take advantage of the fact that you can mix and match. I mean, you know, John Havlicek was one of the most famous players of all time. He was one of the one who really innovated the sixth man position. There's nothing wrong with being a modern day version of that, being a Jordan Clarkson type. That's the kind of impact that Miles Bridges can have. And we saw what Jordan Clarkson was able to do for an elite jazz team. I think I've said it before, but I definitely do not envy James Borrego moving forward. He's got a lot of decisions to make on what that starting lineup is. But again, like you mentioned, it's probably a good thing because he can mix and match. You know, if, if Gordon's, you know, a little sore or something like that, or if Miles needs a night off, then you have that ability to kind of plug and place those people in the lineup. So you look and see what Miles was able to accomplish at the end of last season. And it just gets me so excited for this season to see how he's going to be able to grow and take that next step. Because the biggest thing that I took away from him this season was his three point percentage. It jumped a lot. I'll get to that in, a, in another segment, but I mean, it, it grew seven points and I thought that was really impressive. And I've said it before too. He is not just a dunker. Of course, we know what he did to Clint Capella this season, but you know, he's got some handles too. And you know, he's a little bit undersized if he moves into that four spot at six, six, but man, he can just jump out of the building, and we saw that this year multiple times. As you mentioned, three-point shooting really did go through the roof. He was essentially the same from his first to second season, 32% to 33%. Big, big jump, 40% from three, plus all that athleticism. And yeah, I, I would agree with you that it's a difficult decision for James Borrego, but it's the kind of decision you want to have. I mean, the decisions that were difficult that I don't envy JB last season were, what do we do at the center position when he was looking at the lineup and seeing, all right, Cody Zeller's hurt, and we got to fill all these minutes. We can't play Biz 48 minutes a game. That's not that's not fair to do to him. You know, how do we fill this hole when we don't have all of the bodies? And it's a much more exciting decision to have to make. Okay, I've got Gordon Hayward and Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. How do I make them all the best they can be, playing them in different lineups, different sets, different times? That's the kind of exciting decisions you want to have. You referenced it earlier. I think if we're looking at moment of the year, play of the year, We've heard it from players all throughout this series. It's got to be the Miles Bridges dunk on Clint Capella. Now Miles Bridges, he'll go in, dunks it on top of Clint Capella. Are you kidding me? That is number one on SportsCenter for the day, week, month, and year. My goodness. Can we end the game now? Three minutes, 30 seconds left. Hornets up five. What can you say? I mean, we've heard it a couple times on our previous podcast. It's everybody's favorite moment of the year. It's just unfortunate that the Hornets weren't able to close out that game. It's just so funny now because everybody just talks about the dunk, the dunk, the dunk, and not the fact that the Hornets whittled away a lead late and ended up losing that game. But, I mean, I guess maybe it looks a little bit better now that the Hawks are in the conference finals, you know, playing a really good Milwaukee team really tight. But, yeah, I mean, that's just one of those moments that's going to live endlessly for eternity for more or less i mean we're going to be talking about that dunk for ever and ever and ever i can imagine i think how long we end up talking about that play is fully at the discretion of miles bridges if he becomes an all-star level player that will be his or one of his signature in-game plays because it is the most impressive in-game dunk i've ever seen and we've heard it from so many of the players echoing those sentiments 
it could end up being like that Dr. J shot where he, you know, wraps around underneath the basket and lobs it up and tips it in or MJ changing hands in midair. Those are some of the iconic moments for those individuals. And if Miles Bridges goes on to become what his potential says he could be, maybe that play will end up being the one that we all look back on forever and ever. Where does Miles Bridges put that play in his own season? We're going to let you hear from the man himself. Miles Bridges joins us after this on the Hornets Hivecast. Be sure to check out the Hornets Fan Shop at Spectrum Center. Now open Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Check out all the newest Hornets gear or grab a new pair of J's. It's an easy trip on the light rail or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 at HornetsFanshop.com. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC continuing our player profile series and right now it's time to hear from the man we've been profiling and we'll continue to here on this edition of the Hornets Tivecast, Miles Bridges. Miles, thank you so much for the time. Glad to be here. It's been quite the journey for you this season. You start the year coming off the bench really for the first time since your rookie season. You still turn in the best shooting percentages of your career, whether you were starting or not, and you dominated Sports Center with your dunks. How do you evaluate this season for yourself? Uh, I mean, it was a pretty good year. I mean, I mean, it's not the outcome that we wanted, that anybody wanted on the team, but I feel like overall we had a good season. Nobody thought that we would make it that far. I'm happy for the future. I'm, I'm very excited. There's a lot to pick from, but what was your favorite moment of this past season? Any of our winning streaks that we went on, I mean, it's always a different type of vibe in the locker room. When you're on, when you're on a winning streak, everybody's getting along, so, so those moments stick with me. You had several sports Center top ten, number one highlights. Is there one signature dunk, pass, play that stands out for you? Uh, probably, I mean, obviously the Clint Capella dunk. Um, that one, that one sticks out to me for the season. A very unique season in terms of protocols with COVID-19. Uh, there's certainly a, a lot of hope that next year will be normal. What's one piece of the NBA health and safety protocols that you're going to be glad to be rid of after this season, hopefully? Just testing every day. I mean, we were testing two times, three times a day. So just being able to just walk around and feel free. But, I mean, I'm still going to be careful because of COVID, um, of course. But just me not being able to test like early, early in the morning every, every day is kind of a relief. Necessity is the mother of invention sometimes, so the NBA, the whole world's had to adapt with COVID-19. What's one thing that has been kind of brought into the routine that maybe wouldn't have been found without having to go through all these protocols that you wouldn't mind keeping around for the future? Uh, I don't know, really. I mean, the only thing, only thing that was bad from it was testing. I mean, but us staying inside, too, that, that, was, that was kind of bad, but... I don't know. It's probably not anything positive from COVID-19 coming out of that. I don't think. That's a fair point. You've mentioned after the, the last game that you've got a lot of work that you want to get to in the offseason. What specifically would be your goal number one to accomplish this offseason? Uh, I mean, creating shots for myself, creating shots for my teammates. Um, I could always get better defensively on my IQ. Just learn how to win games better. Finally, before we let you go, I've joked around a couple of times that like your energy level is off the charts. You got to be the only dad of young kids where like the young kids get tired first before dad does. What are you looking forward to about being home? It's been a long year and the protocols have meant a lot a time where you're kind of kept away, shielded from your family. So what are you looking forward to as a dad this offseason? Spending time with my kids. Um, I don't have a lot of time during the season. 
Um, but I would definitely like to spend a lot of time with them during the summer. Um, my son, he's getting big enough. He's starting to learn how to like basketball and sports and stuff. So spend a lot of time with him. So happy for that. When he starts dunking, you let us know. Yeah, for sure. I got you. Miles, thanks so much for the time. Good luck this offseason. I appreciate you. More to come on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast after this. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, back with you here on the HHC. All right, Rob, we just heard from the man himself, Miles Bridges. No surprise, he liked the Clint Capella dunk or the dunk on Clint Capella as well. Your takeaways from what we heard from Miles. It was very nonchalant, his mention of the Clint Capella dunk. It's funny that it's being referenced as the person that got dunked on and not the person doing the dunking, I guess, from our perspective. But at any rate, the way that he was talking about just how very you know you asked him how the season went and he just was like yeah I had a good year I mean like I think he had a pretty good year I mean I think that just shows that he has these high aspirations these high expectations for himself and the thing that really impressed me this season as we take a look at his future a little bit too is the way that he didn't get many shot attempts that he did in the 2019-2020 season and his scoring average you mentioned it in the first segment only dropped three tenths of a point so you know he was able to become a more efficient scorer this season obviously like you mentioned as the season went on he got more opportunity the scoring average went up but you know I just think that there is a very 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 high ceiling for Miles Bridges overall. I would agree with that as well in terms of looking to the future we've talked about it a little bit his role what it will be there are some questions about it. they're good questions because he is such a weapon and for the first time in a long time the hornets have a lot of options and that's what you inevitably want and the hornets are starting to build up their bench build up their wealth of talent that they have more options but for miles specifically i think the one area that is maybe a hole in his arsenal is his mid-range game when you look at him compared to a gordon Hayward, they play a similar position, but when you look at their shooting percentages, it's eye-opening. The differences you see in terms of finishing in the restricted area, they are very similar, but when you get out to the mid-range game, Gordon Hayward, he shoots 42% for mid-range. Miles Bridges is the worst of anyone attempting anywhere near, you know, like say a a half an attempt per game from mid-range, he's shooting 21% from that area. You widen it out to three-point shooting, Miles was brilliant, 41% from the left corner, 44% from the right corner, overall 42% from the corners. Gordon Hayward, though, his shooting from the corners, he was shooting 63% on corner threes. Now, obviously a different player. He's coming at it from a different spot. Normally he's going to get more of his threes from above the break because he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's less of that catch-and-shoot option, but when he's there, he's as lights out as anyone in the NBA. So I think this kind of shows what kind of example Gordon Hayward can and probably will be for Miles Bridges and where we'd expect to see that next jump. Because if he fills in that hole to his game, there is no stopping him. I mean, he can jump over people now, as he showed if they try and block him at the rim. But if they're forced to come out and cover him more, more so than just if he's behind the three-point line, which he showed in this last season, I don't know what you do to stop him. And I don't think that's the fault to Miles Bridges by any means. I just think that's the style of today's NBA and the style of his play. I mean, 
at this point, in general, you don't see a lot of people taking mid-range shots. It's either a three or you're trying to drive and slash to the rim and finish in the restricted area, and that's just kind of how Miles plays the game. I mean, he loves to chuck up the three, obviously, but you know when he gets a chance to drive because he's so vicious and violent around the rim and he's able to finish so well, then he doesn't need that mid-range game. So, yeah, if he is able to develop some sort of mid-range shot to mimic a Gordon Hayward and he comes into the spot under the floor, if he's coming into the game next season in a reserved role and he's at the three and that spot around you know the 15 foot area around the elbow just outside the paint is available and he's able to develop that shot then yeah he's going to be really lethal so I mean again he was a 59 40 86 guy this season I mean his finishing around the rim was just impeccable so you know just one more tool to that tool bag then you know like you mentioned it's going to be really tough to stop Miles Bridges I would agree with you in that yes Overall, the game has changed. You know, you see analytics dictating shots and people want people in charge want players shooting more threes, more at the rim, less in between. The exception though is all stars. Sure. The all star Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward (laughs) is an all star caliber player. He takes shots from mid range. We've seen Lamella, it's more with floaters than traditional mid range shots, but there's still he's taking off from a mid range area and finishing at a fairly high clip. He's not this same size, but Joel Embiid. Embiid has been a very good three point shooter, particularly for a center. He is unstoppable at the rim. But if you force him to take mid-range shots, he's going to say thank you very much and light you up from that exact range you talked about. And if Miles Bridges also incorporates that shot and can knock it down consistently, he didn't take a ton of them last year, but he was only shooting about 20% from there. If he raises that up to the 40% that he was shooting from three, good night, it's over. This guy's going to be on his way to being an all-star. And when you think about it, when is the majority of the time mid-range shots are taken? It's usually towards the end of the shot clock. When you're stuck at the three-point line, you're trying to drive, you get stuck again, now you're forced to put up that mid-range shot. And how debilitating is it to knock down a mid-range at the end of the shot clock and then go down the other floor and get a defensive stop? So they are very momentous plays in basketball. And you look at guys like the all-time greats that were able to do it. I mean, just in the modern era, you look at LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, he made a career off of making mid-range shots. Carmelo Anthony is another guy that can turn around and hit a fadeaway mid-range shot like it's nobody's business. So you think of those all-time greats. They're able to hit that shot like you mentioned. And I think Gordon Hayward is the blueprint for this team for Miles Bridges to say, get comfortable at your spots, get to your spots and knock down those shots. And you're going to be, the rest of the floor is going to open up more or less. And there is ample reason to think that Miles Bridges can and will get there. And the stat I would point to, I don't like going too deep into analytics, but we're you know, I've already crawled down the rabbit hole, so why not? Miles Bridges' shooting percentage on pull-up shots, which most players shoot better on catch and shoot. They're in position. They're locked and loaded. Catch, fire. If you're playing off the dribble, you tend to see the shooting percentages come down. Gordon Hayward was one of the best on the team in shooting and pull-up shooting. Shot 42%. That was the best of anyone who really took those kinds of shots consistently. Miles Bridges was not that far off at 38.5. So where do those shots fall? Can he start knocking them down from the 10 to 17 foot range as opposed to just having them you know I don't know what the situations were were a lot of them at the end of the shot clock were a lot you know where did they come on the floor if he can start to fill in some of the gaps on the floor and the offensive side maybe that 18 points per game that really came only as a starter when he got more minutes maybe they can come in a reserve role or maybe it just dictates that he has to start it's an interesting 
problem, quote-unquote, to have. And it's one I think the coaching staff is excited to have. And, boy, we're excited to see what Miles brings to the table next year because we saw a huge jump year two to year three, year three to year four. Uh, If it's even better, watch out could be the difference in the Hornets being a playoff team. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We invite you to tune in again as we continue to roll through the lineup from last season. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty. You're going to start to hear from players like LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward in the not-too-distant future. Till next time, big thank you to Rob Longo for joining us here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me as always. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us, and we'll talk to you again next time on the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.